my name is Crispina French and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Today's episode of Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by Sideshow Clothing on Etsy and in person in Craryville, New York. Are you a burgeoning fashion icon who delights in your individual style? Maybe you have a penchant for really good clothing, a love of creative presentation, and respect for our life-giving planet. Or, if you are like me, you like to wear well-made clothing to handle your daily grind and stand up to the test of time. Sideshow Clothing has what you need. Vintage workwear, boots galore, jackets, dresses, ethnic and western wear, the works. Mary curates this creamy collection of inventory, some dating back over 100 years, but mostly fashions from the 1970s through the 1990s. If you want to honor the quality of well-made clothing and stand out in the crowd, check out sideshowclothing.com, where you will find an anecdote to fast fashion and so much more. Hey, listeners, I am so excited to introduce you to someone who I just met, but I've been following around for a few years. Um, today's guest is Chris English, and his Instagram is a full, the full English or just full English? A full English. A full English on Instagram. This guy makes the most amazing tiny little piece quilts, like Really great, really cool stuff. Uh, amazing pattern on pattern work, um, hand sewing, machine sewing, all kind of stirred up with a spoon and just turns into really pure magic. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. And Chris is over in um, West Yorkshire in the UK in a town called Huddersfield, which I'm going to need to look up and learn a little bit more about. And we have him today um, talking with us about his textile upcycling, what he's working on and what he kind of, how he leads his life um, around his um, creative endeavors. So can you tell us a little bit about how you first got started with quilting and how that came into your life? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, quilting, I've, I suppose I've been making quilts for about six or seven years, but my quilting journey starts a long way before that when I went to art school. So I I um I wasn't hugely academic at school, but I managed to get into. I knew I loved you for a good reason. We're the same, like hugely academic. No, nope, not me. Okay, keep going. Sorry. No, not at all. <laughs> so I was, but I was always interested in art and design, and I I got into university to study textile design, and 
at the time, I went to um, Liverpool College of Art and it was amazing. I got to draw and paint all day and socialise with my friends in the evenings and it was a wonderful experience. But then when I left, the hard reality of um, life hit and nobody wanted to pay me to draw and paint all day, which I was shocked and It's such a disappointment, isn't it? Yeah, completely. (laughs) Complete disappointment. So I worked for a few years. I moved to London and it's, you know, it was super expensive to live there. And I I, I realised I wasn't really getting anywhere with a career or doing anything. So I went back to university and that's when I moved to Huddersfield and I studied web design. And this was at the turn of the last century, so a long time ago. And then I got a job and then my kind of corporate career happened from that. Um, But all the time I'd maintained an interest in art and design, print and pattern, I tried loads of different creative hobbies, but the only one that stuck really was quilting. And I, because I came across the Liberty book of home sewing and I'd always wanted to make like my own shirts and stuff, but it was beyond me. So I had a go at making this quilt and I thought I had to use Liberty fabric and I thought I had to follow the pattern exactly. And I made it and I loved it. Um, And then I, I, I just, I got hooked really. And that was the start of my quilting journey. And so you know, the rest is history, I suppose. I made that first Liberty quilt. And then I soon realized that you didn't have to use the Liberty fabric and I could cut the blocks the shape I wanted. And I think partly my art school background has influenced that because it's probably fair to say that my quilts don't follow patterns. So I will use traditional quilt blocks like half square triangles or quarter square triangles or a nine patch. But, you know, I don't lose any sleep over points not matching or anything like that. So I think my art school background and the way I discovered quilting has influenced my work today. That's so, so cool. So you went from from when you were studying textile design, you were doing more of like the actual like drawing of the imagery that's getting printed. Is that the kind of thing that you were doing? In, yeah, when exactly. You were in school? So exactly. Yeah. That. So I was drawing and painting. I was doing a lot of screen printing, which I loved. But it, the course I was on was very kind of liberal and I was um, it wasn't particularly commercially focused. So I didn't really leave after three years with a portfolio of any commercial worth. It was I was just three years older and I'd just been away to university, which was a learning experience. Yeah. But, oh, no, um, it's a great experience. But I really think actually that that touches upon a really interesting thing that I also experienced having gone also to art school and studied textiles. I was more in like the the, the school I went to, Mass Art in Boston, was really um, a fine art school. So not a lot of commercial value associated with um, the degrees that we were given, you know. Um but the the thing that I walked away with was not a, a way to go get a job, right? I think that in, yeah. at the time, and I don't know if the statistic is still true today, but at the time when I graduated from art school, 5% of the people who graduated from art school, I think it might have been in the United States, used their degree for their career. Yeah. Like, you know, pursued art as a career. And I, I've always felt very blessed that I was able to do that. But I think that um, it's very unusual. And it's it's something that I feel like could really be improved upon because I think there's a lot of really talented artists that come out of art schools who get the corporate job and they never turn back. They never look back at what could have been, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, a, a broader challenge, isn't it? And that you come out, I came out of um, art school and then you need to suddenly pay rent. My, um, you know, my student loan had run out, my grant had run out, I needed to pay rent. So you get a job and then before you know it, you've got a mortgage and um, yeah, life has happened. Right. It's a bit of a trap, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think that's really true. But good on you that you were able to like find a process that you were able to carry with you through your your life. And, and you know, regardless of what was going on in the rest of your life, your employment might have been more corporate focused than, um, you know, art focused, but you were always able to like have this outlet. So can you talk a little bit about how that balance works for you? For and me, what that, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, for me, that balance is super important because I find and I happen. I also happen to think that everyone is creative, and a lot of people say they're not. But I, I think people just need to find their outlet. Totally agree. For me, if I don't have that creative outlet, or or like um, uh, like I like to do um, my my um, Thai boxing as well, which is all that's a different story, which we'll come on to. But <laughs> oh, cool. um, I um, I like to have those different outlets because work can be pressured, and it is it can be hard sometimes. It's busy and it's hectic and. You know, people want um, their pound of flesh because they're paying for it. Um, so for me, having a great creative outlet where, you know, if I want to make something how I want it and no one can tell me what to do and I want, I like it how I like it. And if people don't like it, well, that, good for them. Um, yeah, they don't have to. They don't have to. Yeah. There's, you know, that's that's not my problem. It's more their challenge rather than mine. I like it and right. I enjoy doing it. So that's yeah. kind of for me having that outlet is super important and i find if i don't have it i go a little bit stir crazy and you know i need to do something yeah yeah that's so cool so um talk a little bit about what you do in that corporate world is that also creative it, it's kind of creative it's kind of creative i am um, so i manage a team of i work for one of the big supermarkets in the uk and I manage a team of web designers. So it's kind of creative, but within a very strict framework of corporate guidelines and the, yeah. boss, the boss always being right and, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's, it uses what might be to deemed creative skills like Photoshop and stuff like that, but it isn't truly creative in the, the actual sense that I mean the word. Right. Like, yeah, it's like creative within uh, boundaries that keep it from being creative. Am I right? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. 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 And I also find, and, and this happens also for me, we have so many similarities because like, you mentioned screen printing and we can circle back to that in a little bit, but um, I needed both. Like I, I love to interact with people like I am with you today. I love to have this, um, part of my work be screen related, right? But I need that like hands-on scissor snipping sound, like yeah. thread flying, pins on the floor. I need that to really kind of create that balance for me. And I think that, you know, you're you have the screen part at your workplace and then you get to come into this creative realm where it's just your your quilts and your fabric. Yeah. Completely. Yeah cool so do you maintain a studio outside of your home or do you work at home how does that work how's your workspace set up my, my studio is my home side so my living room is my studio so it's a bit of a mess and it often looks like yeah like a quilt shop but it's it's i just i like i'm a very very visual person so i like to have stuff around me that inspires me um and i just find if it's the hand then i'll make it sometimes it's easier what what really frustrates me is if i get drawn into watching something on tv and not making something. I like watching TV, and I, I, but I like creating as well. So I don't have a separate space. I just find that's what works for me. Yeah. And I think too, you know, I think just having that, it's like, you know, sometimes you hear the term like life work balance and about yeah. how, you know, for me, I feel like 
you know, maybe I'm a little bit unusual because of the way that my life has unfolded, but there really isn't a balance. It's just like life, right? Like I I love what I do for work. And if I have access to it, it's just going to be like when I feel inspired to do something, I can do it. Right. Um, I, my spaces are separated, but they're very close together. So I'm able to like keep work related stuff out of my home because, you know, my family (laughs) would be like, you know, after dinner, do the dishes and finish the scene. <laughs> Not really, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's nice for me to have that separation, but there have been times in my life where it was better for me to have my workspace in my home. And it's, I totally got that. It just is very personal and it kind of is what works for you. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about um, this before we started recording about how, you know, the, the textile upcycling journey for all of us is like, you know, as individual as we are. And, you know, you have to kind of understand that there's, there's a different level of uh, what the goals are for everybody, right? Like some people might want to have a business with lots of employees, like I once had, and some people might want to just be solopreneurs and some people might just want to keep it a hobby and not have it be something that gets focused on as like, oh my gosh, I need to like, you know, make my mortgage payment and how many pieces do I need to make? And I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah, I I agree. And I think the other, just the other thing about what's happened to my creative process recently, of, of course, is the pandemic. So now I work from home four days out of five and I only go into the office one day a week, which for me is about right. So Previously, I had about an hour, no, about a 45-minute commute, I suppose, which isn't massive by any stretch, but it did mean that I was a bit more stressed out when I got home, and sometimes it wasn't as easy to get back into creative mode, but now I just kind of close my laptop and I'm there, ready. So, you know, I know the pandemic was tough for a lot of people, um, and but I've, for me, it's it, it's it was the comment about work-life balance. For me, it's just a whole thing now, and I just I feel that if there is a balance, mine's better now than it was before, which is good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it's the same, like with the pandemic, it was kind of, you know, I understand there's so much strife and people like just like planetary grief, right? Like of just all this sense of loss and um, maybe unnecessary loss. And at the same time, and I feel like that's about all the things that happen in one's life that are like just heart wrenching and like so hard to roll with. And then, later sometimes it's soon and sometimes it takes years there's a blessing that rolls out right and there's always like something that changed that is actually a a a good thing so i i think with the pandemic that i i agree i think a lot of people were able to kind of ascertain like how is this going to serve me in a way that's going to make me a happier person and i'm so glad that you were able to to find that too yeah absolutely sorry i've forgotten your previous question (gasps) oh I don't know. I don't, I did too. So we're good. <laughs> I have no idea what it was. <laughs> oh, perhaps it was about recycling. Yes. About like, um, well, yes, it talk was. about that. Talk about like your materials. Like I'd love to know more about where you find them and how you source them. Yeah. So listen, I, I've got a, um, I collect an awful lot of things. I collect lots of different things that I find visually interesting. And because I'd always had this interest in, textiles and design i love i love flea markets and car boot sales and when i was going to them i it's i soon realized after making this liberty quilt that actually i could use any material that i found and so for me that was a com that was 
I was able to combine hobbies that I love. So I love going to different places, looking for fabric. And we also, interestingly, had a bit of a dress code change at work. So we used to have to wear like a formal shirt and proper like suit pants and everything. But there was one summer, it was really hot and that that went out the window. So now it's t-shirt and jeans. So I've got, you know, I've got an abundance of work shirts that are slowly being made into quilts. And also my friends at work and colleagues at work brought me in their old shirts because they knew I'd use them. And so that, you know, my first few quilts are really shirt heavy because of those, I had all this fabric. So I just used what I had. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Another thing about that, um, yeah, that that change that just serves everybody, right? Yeah, completely. And I think that change thing is really interesting because it's been, the, the fabric is amazing because it's, you know, it's worn next to your skin. Um, but then part of the change of it going into a quilt, I thought was very, um, appropriate. Um, and then I love going to charity shops. Charity shops are a great source of fabric for me. Oh, sorry. Goodwill, goodwill shops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go to a lot of those and, you know, to start with, I would only go to them. This is ridiculous, but true. Um, I would only go to the men's section, look through the shirts, but, and so you normally get stripes or checks or plaids. But then I now branch out and go into the women's section and you get amazing florals and you get loads of different really funky prints. And, you know, when I, when I take them all to the counter, I do get some funny looks, but it's fine. <laughs> I, know. I know those looks well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, but that's, that's what I like. And the thing is with um, going to a charity shop, the, the value for money you get for the fabric is amazing. You can, you know. With you couldn't money- buy it, in the, just the fabric. You couldn't exactly. even, you couldn't even touch, yeah. Yeah. So, totally. and it gives you a bit of freedom to experiment. And, you know, sometimes when I teach um, people and they've, they've got their fabric stash and they've, lots of people have fabric they won't ever cut into, which is a shame because it's designed to be used. But I do get it as well because, you know, if you've bought something from Liberty or from one of the expensive brands, it is expensive and you don't want yeah. to spoil it. But if you're going to the charity shop or having stuff given to you, then you can't really go wrong. Yeah. The worst that could happen is I, do, I, I tend to start my quilts by making samples and they get to a certain size. And if I don't like it, I turn them into cushion covers and use them for secret Santa gifts. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's always, such a good idea. That's they, always awesome. get, they always get used or they always, something happens positively with them. Yeah. It's like you, you put your energy into it and it's not what you want to pursue, but it's it's somebody else is going to love it. It's handmade. It was made with love and creativity. So nothing wrong with that. Hey, I think we should take a quick break. If you're just joining us, I'm joined today with Chris English from um, chrisenglishquilts.com is one place you can find him, but better to check out his Instagram at a full English and see these amazing quilts that he makes. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, Weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. 
head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. All right, we are here with Chris English from A Full English on Instagram, and he is talking about his process, how he sources his materials, car boot sales, op shops, charity shops, thrift stores, and finding that, you know, turning from the men's department into the women's department and noticing the difference. Like, that's another really cool thing, right? Like, we don't necessarily think about stuff like that until we do. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, yeah, plaid, stripes, once in a while, you might get like a polka dot in the men's department, but like the women's department, right? Like, it's just more colorful, more floral, more like, I don't know, there's a there's a level of more diversity, I think, right? And the women's wear. Yeah, I think so. And you, I mean, you do get some florals in the men's section, but see, we get the odd Hawaiian shirt, which is amazing to use. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. And, you know, I don't want to stereotype or anything, but on the whole, yeah, the women's section is is much more fun. More, yeah. Um, so I wonder too about like when you're making your quilts, do you, you sell your quilts, right? Um, uh, yeah, occasionally I do sell them. More often I gift them. So my son, my son has got a quilt for like his last few birthdays now. He's 19 now. Um, oh, wow. So, I mean, he, he gets a quilt now and he accepts it, but he never used to want quilts. He always used to want like uh, PlayStation games or stuff <laughs> like that. But now he's 19. He wants like beer or money. Yeah. He, he gets a quilt. So, you know, that's just <laughs> life, isn't it? <laughs> He can make his own money and get his own beer. Exactly. <laughs> he might not be able to make his own quilt, yeah. but you never know. You know, he could follow in his father's footsteps and be a quilter as a, as an adult later down the line. Maybe one day. Yeah. That's awesome. Is he interested in it at all? Does he, is he art artful? Or? No, not the moment. I think it's a really, I think for a teenage lad to be interested in quilting is rare. I mean, I think it's rare enough for, someone my age, a male to be interested in quilting. There's not many male quilters. And I think the reasons are, there's plenty of different reasons as to why. But um, I, I think, no, he's not. He he works in construction. He likes football, yeah. sorry, soccer. And um, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's more into that kind of thing at the moment. But then at that age, so was I. And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a process, isn't it? You find what you're into and perhaps... You know, different pressures exist at different points in life, don't they? Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's, it is a process. And it's like, you know, one of the things that, that I, I hear in your journey and, and I share again is um, just the, you know, always wanting to learn, always wanting to experience something that's, that's fresh and that has, um, you know, engagement, right? Like, yeah. I mean, when you first, how did you learn how to sew? Was there someone in your life who taught you that? Or was, how was that process for you? So I'm broadly self-taught, but my mum, she, when I was a lot younger, and I don't really remember this at all, but she used to do um, dressmaking and piecework for different shops. But I don't remember it. But so, but I think somewhere it's, it's always been a thing. And when, when I got my first sewing machine, she was able to show me the basics um, I used, when I got it, I used it more for kind of like what I'd probably term art textiles. I used it more for embroidery, but then I had it and it had been kept away in the cupboard and it was an old banana, which I love. And I've still got it. I still use it occasionally when my current one is being serviced. Um, yeah. And I was just like, right. So it's it, thinking about it now, that 
sewing machine existed long before the um, quilt book did. So it was, you know, I had it there. So perhaps just having it at hand was just one of those, you know, fortuitous moments of I've got what I need to make a quilt and I can start it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that, you know, that's all it takes. And I, one of the things that I have, like I really, I'm really attached to about textile upcycling is that like you, you, you have a sewing machine and that's cool, but you really don't have to have a sewing machine. Like you can literally go to like the secondhand store and buy, you know, three or four garments and have a sharp pair of scissors and a needle and thread and get started. Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, classes. So um, last, when was it? Yeah, in December, I had, there's a, in Huddersfield, there's an area of shops that are being knocked down and regenerated, but until they start knocking them down, they're, le- they're letting artists use them. So I had a shop for a week and I wanted to teach people in the local area quilting and obviously sewing machines help, but I just ran classes using like a um, city style quilting technique. So all you needed were scissors and a needle, and I supplied the thread, and I was using old woolen blankets to um, as the wadding. So it was, it was super accessible. People came, they made stuff, and it was just really good to get people making something. And then it's a bit like a gateway drug. So if you make that and you think, right, I like quilting, then they might go off and they might get a machine, and they might make a, yeah. a beautiful Civil War, Civil War style quilt, and it might be yeah. perfectly pieced. Or they might just do their own thing, which is equally cool. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it's, yeah, I totally feel like that. And I think also for, for those people who are really like, you know, a little hesitant, they're not like so comfortable, like jumping into like the creative process that, you know, if you said you're going to take them to a quilting class, they might be like, oh, I couldn't do that. But if you're like, hey, this is just textile upcycling, here's a needle and thread. Like if you make a mistake, go back to the thrift store and buy yourself another $3 shirt. Like it's not a big deal. Then you're kind of creating this like, willingness to experiment willingness to not be perfect it kind of like allows that perfectionism to like just leave the room <laughs> yeah the thing is i think that's i think that's one of quilting's quilting's reputation's biggest problems is that quest for perfection i think perfection is the most overrated quality yeah. ever it's just yeah i just don't get it personally I'm much more interested in things that are flawed rather than perfect. Totally. I mean, especially in this day and age, right? With our everything being automated and like now we're looking at, you know, AI generated like text and copy and voice. Like, no, if you hiccup or sneeze or, you know, make your points not match, it means like a person actually touched that, you know, it's like, it's a human quality that is just beautiful in my, um, you know, surmise. Like it's just, um, yeah, I totally agree. So um, for anyone out there who's listening, I just want you to take a minute and think about how this might ha- enable you to start your textile upcycling journey to just, you know, Chris was mentioning um, having old woolen blankets as the the wadding or the batting between his layers and going to the thrift store and just, you know, getting a the fabric that you like finds cut two. you know, you could have two pieces of fabric, one top and one bottom and just really stitch through the layers and there you have like yourself a tiny little quilt to get started with. Um, so talk a little bit more about your teaching. I know you offer classes every now and again. How does that work? So I, um, I do some teaching. So I do some online teaching and that's um, usually through a company called Crafty Monkeys. Um, so if you look at their website, you'll see uh, when I'm teaching. And then I often try and teach at the Festival of Quilts that we have in the UK. So 
it's it's brilliant. I love teaching in person. And then I, I also do do some guild visits as well. And what I am super excited about one day, one day when the corporate job is not a thing anymore, I'd like to do a road trip across America teaching as I go, like a kind of itinerant quilter. That's a dream. Oh, my goodness. That sounds amazing. And actually, I've, I haven't said this out loud to anybody except for my girlfriend, Mary. And now I'm going to say it out loud. I would love to have the summit that we're working up to now that's called the Rags to Riches Summit. That's a virtual event where people learn all about kind of like how to run a textile upcycling business. And I'd have like to have another summit kind of like the other half of the year where people can come and learn skills in person and or it would also be available online. So maybe we could coordinate that when your oh, corporate yeah, job be- is over and I could, you can come and teach at the, the opposite summit. Yeah, that'd be amazing. It'd be a stop on my journey across America. Um, yeah, 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 cool. yeah. And yeah, and I, you know, quilting really is, a, isn't it? The history of quilting in the United States, is that where it originated? I really don't even know. What, quilting is a... Maybe not. I'm thinking about know. Panther quilts. Like there's quilts all over in every yeah, culture. Quilts all over. I think it's probably yeah. happened at the same time when, as, as yeah. fabric became available, probably different places did different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sewing through layers is going to create that extra warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Do you have a favorite um, quilter or style of quilts that you like to kind of be inspired by? Or what's your inspiration? Where do you find that? There's a couple of quilters who I love um, and I like their work. So I don't. So Sherry Lynn Wood, she's a quilter based in the US. Her work's amazing. I've got her book and I've been fortunate enough to meet her and she was super nice and friendly. Um, I like the work of Heidi Parks. Um, her work is beautiful, and I, I met her as well. Uh, there's a chap called Luke Haynes. He and I took a class with Luke, and he, you know, he was using a lot of recycled materials. Um, so yeah, and then I, I love these city quilts from um, uh, southern India. They're these, they're beautiful. So I, oh, I try and take um, influences from all over, really. And again, that's where quilting lets me combine another of my hobbies. So I love going to art galleries and museums and doing street art tours. And I see all those things and I take those as points of reference. And I include what it has said to me in my quilts. Yeah. So I yeah. am. I try and take my inspiration from lots of different places, but those three, and- definitely. And um, I was this. So if. Some of your listeners are familiar with um, Roderick Kirikoff and his book. Uh, he's got a beautiful book out about uh, quilts. It's called Unconventional and Undiscovered. Um, it's an amazing book. Now, he had an exhibition at Festival of Quilts in last summer that I was kind of involved in organising, um, but um, it was brilliant. And he brought a load of the quilts over that are in the book, and to see them in the flesh was just incredible. Um, How cool! That must yeah, have been really awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I took him. Yes, I took him. It was. It was. It was really good to meet him in person, and um, I took him to a couple of unique UK experiences. We went to watch the soccer at Birmingham City, which was interesting, and uh, yeah, we just did a couple of different things. That were, we went for a curry, which was very um, <laughs> interesting, <laughs> but it was good fun. And um, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, you are inspired by other quilters, but I'm hearing you say that you're also inspired by like just life, artwork, the things you stumble oh, across. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. 
completely. And then do you incorporate screen printing in your work today? Yes. And yes, I do. So I've, um, I had in one of my quilts, um, I had some fabric left over from university that I'd kept for countless years, knowing that I wanted to keep it, but not ever knowing what I'd use it for. And then I discovered quilting. So that went straight into a quilt. And then I've also started uh, just taking lengths of calico and printing onto it using like bubble wrap and um, cutting out shapes in funky foam and printing with that and, and, and then also just drawing into it as well. So I am, um, yeah, and then I've just kind of ironed it to set it and I've included that in some of my quilts. That sounds so cool. I love that idea. Um, and, you know, funny story, just a little uh, uh, my mom and dad had a screen printing company when I was oh. a little kid and we made calendars like printing on paper uh, primarily. And so as a kid growing up, it was always like a chore, like we've got to go make calendars. And it was kind of almost like a year round thing because they sold the calendars and that augmented their high school art teaching paychecks so that we could travel back to my dad was Irish. So we would go back to visit our family and in, in that part of the world with that money. And it, now, today, my sister and I actually run that business. So it's okay. called the Dolphin Studio. And it, we still just primarily print on paper, but it's just such a cool process. And to think about like printing pattern on an already pr printed pattern, I love that, you know, just to kind of like the calico is so like Americana, old fashioned kind of, you know, little house on the prairie style, but then to like bubble wrap print it, like, yeah bring it right into today, right? Like, yeah, it's historical. Yeah. It's, it's got history. It's got the story, but I'm going to add to that story. Yeah. Right? I love that. A lot of my quilts, I, I like, I think what's super important in my quilts and probably most things in life is contrast. And so I like mixing, like one of the quilts I'm working on at the moment has got this, it's only a very small piece, but it, it's like this piece of antique velvet. And it was it was, it was rather expensive, but it's teamed with some stuff that I've, you know, like a shirt and stuff that I found. So I just love the, the different juxtaposition of things like that. That's so cool. That's awesome. And I feel like you're right. That is like life in a nutshell, right? Like we all need to like find our differences and celebrate them and not be like frightened that, you know, something's different and it needs to be the same. It's kind of like, you don't have to worry about your points meeting up and you don't have to worry about that piece next to you being different than you. Cause it's kind of awesome. Yeah. The best thing, another good thing about the festival of quilts in the UK. Well, for me anyway, is that as a, as a man, when I'm there, people think I either work there or that I'm lost. a, a lost husband. <laughs> So I can hang around near my quilts and hear what people say, which is amazing. That's awesome. I don't know. I kind of feel like that is like, the best thing ever. That's so funny. I love that. that <laughs> True. Yeah. It's so funny. That's awesome. Well, I think that this is, um, it's so much fun to kind of like learn about your process and just like more about how you came to where you are. And if you could see yourself, like, I don't know, let's say three years out from now, would you be living in the sim in a similar manner? Is there something that you're working towards? What, what is your, you know, it's, everything is very dreamy and it's exactly how you want it to be. What do you think? Uh, that's a tough question. It's, it's a good question, but a tough one. So I, I, I think what I'd like to be able to do is, is probably reduce my days in my corporate job. But there's, you know, with a corporate job does come some security, whether that is a, a real security or just a kind of 
product of society security. I don't know, and I'm still figuring that out. But um, definitely doing more, like um, perhaps more teaching and more. I like to travel, so if I can travel and teach, and for me that's that's great. And I, you know. It was a long time ago that I did textiles at uni, but I would like to get back into textile design, but in a sustainable and um, kind of way that encourages using recycled fabrics. So it might be that, and I've got some ideas about like a a fabric zine that I'm working on and some different things that, um, yeah, I've got a lot of different ideas, but it's just having the time. So I suppose that's my answer is less time corporate, but still enough money to survive and then yep. more time on my uh, creative endeavors. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. And I can't wait to put you on the schedule for that event that we're going to collaborate on down the road sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. What a pleasure. No problem. Anytime. Cool. Cool. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Dalhyasen. If you want to dive in deep, head over to rags to riches textile upcycling podcast.com. Thank you.